You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome into episode 148 of the Sources Say podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the growing KSR podcast network. The Sources Say podcast is presented by our good friends at Justice Dental. You can make an appointment at one of two Lexington locations that's on Wellington Way and Blazer Parkway. Now is a great time to schedule your dental cleaning. Remember that regular dental appointments are important for your overall health. You can learn more and make an appointment at justicedental.com. Dr. Justice and Dr. Thompson look forward to seeing you soon. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined once again by the one and only Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean, how the heck are you? I'm fantastic, Jack. How are you? I'm doing just swell. We are uh, in the hours leading up to Kentucky's road matchup at Alabama. They beat the storm, beat the bad weather, beat the ice and sleet and snow and all that fun stuff that uh, blanketed the state of Kentucky and made it out, got down to Alabama, I believe, yesterday. Uh, And they are prepared for what I, for my money, the most up and down, inconsistent, you never know what you're going to get, uh, basketball team in, co- in the nation. They, at times, look like uh, world beaters can beat anybody in college basketball, and at times look like they can beat or they can lose to anybody in, in college basketball. Their resume is absolutely bizarre. They have beaten number three Gonzaga, number 14 Houston, number 14 Tennessee, number 13 LSU, and number four Baylor at various points throughout the season. But they've also lost to unranked Iona, unranked Memphis, who is god-awful, and we've talked about how abysmal that program is. They got wrecked at Memphis, uh, lost to Davidson, lost at Missouri, um, lost at Mississippi State, lost at Georgia. So, just a bizarre, bizarre basketball team, Sean. What do we need to know about the Crimson Tide uh, of Alabama? Going to take a ton of threes. Uh, that's the thing. And Kentucky just can't let them get hot. And like they did at Rep Arena last year, where they they went and made a bunch of threes. You just can't let them do that. They're they're going to take them. They're going to make some, but they're they're not very good when it comes to overall percentage. When you look at how many they take. Uh, but I mean, it's going to be a tough game for sure. I mean, this is their third straight game against top five competition. Could see a little bit of legs, maybe get tired because that's a grind, Jack. When you play three straight games, we're talking Baylor, Auburn, Kentucky, all within seven days. That's a lot. And when you get to that second half and you've been through those battles the next few weeks, I mean, I, I think Kentucky will have the edge, uh, in that one, but I mean, this is a program that has, how about this resume? Think of this. They've, they've beaten two teams that are on the one seed line 
in Joe Lenardi's ESPN projections, but then they've lost to Missouri. They've lost to Georgia. I mean, how, how confusing is that resume? Oh, it's, it's the most confusing college basketball. Yeah, it's the, it makes no sense. I have no idea whether to be terrified of them or think that they're a nobody. I mean, they, they are one game. They truly look like world beaters. The next game, they look like the worst team in college basketball. And that's kind of, that's kind of what scares me a little bit about, about this game, because they did just lose at, at number one, Auburn lost by 19 points. But I do kind of, I think you bring up a good point with the legs thing, because they had they cut it down to two points with what 13 minutes to go, 10 minutes to go. Yeah. They were right there in the thick of things, but down the stretch, at Auburn turned into Auburn and, and Alabama uh, just kind of disappeared, d- disappeared down the stretch. So you bring up a good point. I, I, I do wonder if legs will will end up impacting this game, especially for a team that likes to get up and down the floor so much, jack up a lot of threes. That their style of play uh, could definitely wear, wear themselves out for, you know, for better or for worse, especially better for us, if that's the case for them today. Well, I mean, Kentucky, I mean, both these teams have played in emotional games. Like Kentucky played and grounded out games the last few weeks. And I mean, obviously they, they went on the road at Kansas and got a big win. Uh, Vandy was just a, an ugly game. They, they had to, to grind one out and kind of get tough there in the second half. But Kentucky as a program overall, you're used to playing in those games. Alabama, three straight games against top five competition. That's a lot. They Now they got a huge win versus Baylor last weekend, but then followed it with that 19-point loss to Auburn. But overall, this is a team that is three and five in their last eight games. I mean, it's, they're, they're not trending in a great direction. I know the last time I looked at Lenardi's projections, he had them just outside the top 16, which means they're probably a five seed. I believe as of right now, they only have three quad one opportunities remaining the rest of the year. Two of those are against Kentucky. So this is a resume that if they lose tonight, I don't know how much room Alabama can kind of has to climb. Uh, so you know that the Nate Oates wants to get this one to get this probably puts them back in that top 16. If they get it back to back Saturdays with wins versus Kentucky and Baylor, throw that in with that win against Gonzaga. And you, you kind of look at those losses and be like, okay, is Alabama a final four contender or they first day of the NCAA tournament exit. It's one of the most confusing teams to follow, but they do have dudes that are very good. And this is a team that is going to be good enough to beat Kentucky if you let them get hot in their own gym. Yeah, I I was really kind of hoping that they pulled off the upset at Auburn for that reason, that kind of the desperation factor of knowing, you know, they're going to make the tournament, but can they be one of those elite elite teams in, in, in that run? And I think they, I wonder if they're going, they went into this week with the mindset of we got to win one of two at, at Auburn or at home against Kentucky. You got to win one of those two. And I do wonder if there's going to be a sense of desperation. If there's that, we, we have to secure this for, uh, you know, kind of to outweigh the bad losses that we've had this year to keep building up those high quality wins for our resume. This is a, a monstrous, monstrous opportunity for them in terms uh, of a resume standpoint. So they're going to come in desperate. They're going to come in playing a style of basketball that Kentucky isn't used to playing. Uh, but it's one that Sean, I'm kind of excited to see because uh, yesterday, uh, Kellen Grady was asked about the possibility of it turning into a track meet. If, if uh, you know, they were they thought Alabama was going to push the tempo, they were going to push the pace, jack up a bunch of shots. And Kellen Grady said this: "We hope they do. We welcome it. We always get excited if the game can be a back and forth because eventually, as Coach Cal always says, somebody's going to let go of the rope." 
We're so conditioned and trained to play that fast. We practice with a ton of full court drills where we're constantly working on our speed and playing at that pace. You can see how we uh, can maintain it. So we would love it if the game was a track meet. We think we have the advantage there, Sean. So uh, that goes into... Uh, one of our first questions we wanted, we, we asked uh, for uh, uh, not necessarily a mailbag, but just said, you know, I, I posted on oh. Twitter, we're recording a, a source to say, uh, getting a bunch of questions. And somebody asked about that possibility if, uh, if any team wants to run with Kentucky. It's a, Rob Schrader asked, does any team, including, including Alabama, want to try to run with Kentucky? I feel like we are the best team in the country in an up and down game, Sean. I wanted to get your thoughts on that before we kind of start uh, go, diving oh. into all the questions. Well, I actually think that when you when you look at this game, I'm more confident in Kentucky winning this one than I've than I have been in any of the ones in recent weeks. And and here's why. I think that Alabama's style of play suits Kentucky. But if Alabama tries to slow it down, then Alabama's playing out of character. But that's also a game that Kentucky's shown that they can win. A grinded out possession by possession game. They, we saw it at Texas AM. Uh, we've seen them have to grind out in, in situations and for stretches of play. But when you bring in, you know, the the up tempo and the, the way Alabama shoots the three, that's going to lead to a lot of fast break opportunities. Sure, Alabama's going to hit their threes, but they're also going to miss some threes, which are going to be longer rebounds for Xavier Wheeler, Ty Ty Washington, Kellen Grady, all these guys to get out in transition. I think that plays into Kentucky and what they want to do. And and when you're talking about a team that shoots as many threes as Alabama does. There's two, there's two scenarios where it's best to shoot a three-pointer jack, and that's often offensive rebounded in transition. When you have a guy like Oscar Sheboy that cleans up the glass the way he does, that's going to limit Alabama's second-chance opportunities where they can scramble and get some of those open threes in the half court. And then Kentucky has shown the ability to stop and defend transition uh, defense as well. And I think you're going to see Kentucky get out and run the floor. And uh, this, this is going to be a fast-paced game, one that, going to be back and forth for a while but i think when you get to that final 10 minutes kentucky's really going to turn up the heat and i think kentucky wins this game by 10 today wow that's a yeah that's a great prediction and it'll be it'll be a tough one but uh, you you bring up the rebounding factor that's actually something nate oates brought up by himself uh yesterday he was hyping up oscar sheep you know it's typical coach speak what are your thoughts on kentucky well it's a hell of a team hell of a program uh they're very well coached i mean you could you, you Every coach in America says that about whoever they're playing against. It they're well coached. They're uh, better than their ranking says they are. Just go down the list of coach speak uh, mumbo jumbo. It, it happens every single game. But this game in particular, he brought up Oscar Sheboy and and how he throws a wrench into what they do because he said, "Yeah, we're not shooting the ball as well as we we like to." But we've gotten so many offense. We, we've we've lived on the offensive glass, and it's created more second chance opportunities for us and, and more three point opportunities. So it, it has raised the volume, but has also allowed for better efficiency as well and more scoring opportunities because uh, because of the the rate they shoot shots and, and how many offensive rebounds they get. But they said with Oscar being the number one, uh, I think he's among Power Five schools. He's easily the number one uh, defensive rebounder in the country. And he said that definitely throws a wrench into things. We don't, we haven't had to go up against somebody like this, uh, who's just a, a, a ball magnet on the glass. So I, I do think that's going to really uh, the, the the numbers kind of scale differently because they they average eighty one point four points per game, I believe, uh, something like that, which is a top ten, I believe, in the country. So yeah, they're they're averaging a ton of points, 
But if Kentucky's able to negate that with with a ton of rebounds by Oscar Shibway, limiting what they're able to do on the offensive glass, uh, that's where I think that ten point deficit that you're that ten point win that you're talking about. I think that's where the difference is going to be uh, a lack of second chance opportunities to kind of turn it into a track meet for uh, for Alabama, Sean. Yeah, and I mean, it, and when you look at the overall number of three pointers here, Alabama's going to take a lot of threes. I mean, it wouldn't be shocking if they get north of 33 or 34 three attempts in this game, honestly. And it's it's one of those things where if Alabama connects on 15, 14, probably not looking good, right? But if they stay somewhere in that 7 to 10 range, then I think that Kentucky still wins this basketball game. You just can't let Alabama get really, really hot. On nights that they're not hot, Alabama's losing games by 15-plus to good teams. When they're hot, they can beat anyone in college basketball. That's the only way Alabama wins this game tonight is if they're hot from three, and then if for some reason they get to the free throw line 28 to 34 times and hit a bunch of free throws. That's I, I think that's the only way they beat Kentucky. Yeah, and, you know, Jaden Shackelford, Javon Quinterly, they, they – you know, best scoring duo in, duo in the SEC. They averaged a uh, combined 32.4 points per game, but they really don't scare me all that. Like, none of their shooting threats really scare me all that much. Like, I, I know that they're capable of, of getting to their spots and I know they're capable of knocking down shots. But, Sean, I, I just look at this Alabama roster and it's just not the group that they had last year where you were like, man, they're going to put up a million points a game and their pace. And uh, last year's Alabama roster scared me. This one does not. And and I just, I, I don't look at anybody else. You know, Keon Ellis is a threat. I just don't know who else on their roster really makes me go, ah, that's going to be the guy oh. to beat, to beat Kentucky. And that, I think that's where that deficit uh, can come from for, for Kentucky. Uh, there's just not a lot of threats that, that I think can truly be take Kentucky out of the game that there's there's not one guy that that says okay Kentucky doesn't have a, a response on the other end of the floor that can do just as much uh, as they do no and when you look and Ellis actually leads them in rebounding yeah. I think with about six a game 6.2 something 6.2. along those lines yep. and that that's a guard leading them in rebounding and then the games that they've lost they've lost the battle on the glass so that's a this is kind of a bad matchup for Alabama, the way Oscar Sheboy hits the glass, the way Kentucky uh, hits the team rebounding. And and I know Kentucky has actually shown that they can win a game when they lose the rebounding battle. Didn't they lose it against Vandy the other night, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, by seven, 37. Yeah, 30, by, by seven. So, like, it to me, we've seen Kentucky be taken out of what they do best and still find ways to win games when they're at full strength. Alabama, when they when you take away what they do and then you kind of find their kryptonite there, they don't win those games the way Kentucky does. And I think that's what separates you from contenders and pretenders at this time of season. Not saying that Alabama can't get hot and make a run in March because if they get the NCAA tournament, I think the SEC is going to fare well. But you just have a ton of confidence in Kentucky in winning a game of this magnitude tonight given what they've gone through and everything, and then I, I, when you look right now on Lenardi's projections, Jack, I think they're seventh overall seed, good enough for number two. You win this one tonight, and I think that you're really knocking on the door of a one seed. You know, Baylor's lost a couple of the last few weeks. Uh, kind of play out and see what happens in the Big Ten with Purdue. I mean, you're you're going to put yourself in the conversation there. I know we had a question about that too, I believe. Yeah, about how many losses Kentucky could lose to get a one. 
yeah, I think that me, was the way it was. Let me written. jump jump in and 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 make sure they they get their credit for their questions. Mike Carrick asks, "Is this a must win if we want a shot at a one seed?" Uh, and then Corey Wildcat Guru asks, "How many games can Kentucky afford to lose and still be in play for that one seed?" So I do want to get your thoughts on that uh, on both of those. Is this a must win, and how many games can Kentucky afford to lose if they want to stay in contention for that? I think it is a must win for a one just because it's away from home. Yeah. And we know that the net rankings, that the reason you see teams climb the net is they value those wins away from home. And Kentucky has six quad one opportunity games remaining, counting this one. But it's this one away from home would be consecutive Saturdays where Kentucky's gone on the road and won in very impressive venues. And then you see the how are you trending lately in the projections. And you, you get this win. And then you you find a way to get one at Tennessee here in a week or so, and, and you're starting to look up, and, and Kentucky's got a resume of a one seed. Because if, if you get this one, I think that they go on the road and win at Columbia Tuesday. I think they go home and beat Florida next Saturday. That matchup in Knoxville, you're, you're talking then about a team that's on a winning streak that includes wins at Kansas, at Alabama, and at Tennessee. You get those, I think you're going to look up after that Tennessee game, Kentucky's going to be in the projected one seeds. So th- this one to me is a must win if you want to do that. But I think if they have room to lose one, if they win this one today, they could drop a game somewhere, win the SEC tournament, and that would include wins probably over Auburn. You could beat an Alabama or a Tennessee in that tournament as well and get another, get some more quad one wins. I say two is where that they – two. If you lose two, I don't think they get a one. Yeah. I mean, Alabama in terms of just – what this would do for their Kentucky's resume. Alabama's 23 in the net, 18 Ken Palm, 20 BPI, 20 the Sagarin rankings, uh, KPI, I don't know what that is. They're seven overall on that, and the T rank, they're 28. So, I mean, this is a hot, this isn't just a, you know, a fringe quad one win or even a top 50. I mean, this is a, a legitimate top 25 uh, net win that would, I mean, just that would just do wonders for on the road. It would do wonders for their long term seating. I do think it would if, if they win this one, this is going to be the win that I think kind of puts them over the edge in that one seed category where their 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 resume definitely speaks for itself uh, among the the competitors. I think that's what would separate them. And yeah, so yeah, I, I, that's why I think it, it's a it's a must win. Well, the thing that helps Kentucky when you get into Selection Sunday is they have no bad losses. Like, that right there in itself grabs your attention almost as much as the quality wins do. When you look at they've gone through an entire college basketball season now, Notre Dame, does it stay a quad one? I know they're 68th in the net right now, so we'll see what happens as we go throughout the next month. You'd like to see, if you're a Kentucky fan, you want to pull for Notre Dame every game they play because you want that to remain a quad one because it could make the difference on, on selection Sunday of you being a one or two. And, and does that matter? Probably not. Cause I think Kentucky as a two seed could still win the NCAA tournament, but you, you want to give yourself the, the best path possible. Uh, but when you talk about a resume that does not have a bad loss in college basketball this season, where you're talking about these teams like Alabama that does have bad losses and you're talking about some of these other teams that have lost games that will separate you especially when you play in a league that is considered to be one of the best in college basketball this year. Like that helps you a ton when you look up and you have all your losses in the quad one category, but then you could reel off and look at maybe what a nine and four quad one record. If they are maybe 10 and four, if they went out or nine and five, I mean, they, they have an opportunity to have, I think one of the top two or three resumes in college basketball here in about five weeks, but they got to take care of business and it starts today. 
on that note, Rob Vertries also asked, what's a realistic record for our last nine games? Six and three, question mark, seven and two. What what do you think is kind of that sweet spot for him? Realistically, you know, dream scenarios, obviously, to go undefeated or, you know, one loss down the stretch, whatever. But uh, what, what do you think is that realistic record going down the home stretch? Well, like I said, they have six games against quad one competition. They have tough road games at Bama, at Tennessee. They play on the road at Arkansas. They're on the road at Florida. But the thing is, is I just think that they're better than a lot of these teams that they're going to play, even in those environments. I think that they're better than Tennessee, and I know that's a place that up until the last two years has been really hard to win for Kentucky, but I think Kentucky's the better team. I think the same thing with uh, both Florida games. I, I think at worst, I think they go 7-2, and two, but I, I think it's going to settle somewhere in that 9-0, and 8-1 range. I think I, I would say 8-1. and one. I do think that they'll drop a game somewhere. Along the way, I just think that's the way college basketball is trending this season. You're, you're seeing teams drop games, but I don't see them losing two games, especially if they get this one today. If they get this one today, then I think there's a chance that they run the table the rest of the way. But I, if you're a Kentucky fan, I said, I think, I think on the, an episode recently that I would actually wouldn't mind if they lost a game somewhere, one that doesn't kill their resume, but I'd still like to see them go in and win the SEC tournament, beat Auburn, and go into the NCAA tournament on a hot streak. But it wouldn't be a bad thing if they win the next three or four, then maybe drop one at Arkansas or drop one in Knoxville or something. I I think one to two losses the rest of the way at worst, but I, I just don't see them losing two, Jack. I really don't. They're, they're so hard to beat when they're at full strength. Yeah, I, I think that eight and one, eight and one is kind of my my guess. I'm assuming they lose. I think that that Arkansas game, I think that's that may be the one that they you know, Arkansas always kind of plays them tough and it's a awkward matchup that it, it always, it, that one always kind of seems to muck things up. I wouldn't be shocked of that, but I also wouldn't be shocked if, if they win tonight, I would not be shocked if they run the table. I mean, it just, it just feels like this is that last kind of, what is this team made of type matchup for, you know, there's, there's a lot more quality, you know, like you said, six quad one opportunities down the stretch, but it feels like this is the game at Alabama, a team that it has shown it's capable of beating anybody in college basketball. If they go in there and, and win by 10 or something like that, what you're like, what you're talking about, I I definitely think the the running, running the table dreams are definitely on the table. Yeah, I think so. And then when you're just talking history, right in places that haven't been kind of John Calipari teams, you have to think Columbia Tuesday night at South Carolina. I know since I've been covering the beat in 2017, they've not won at South Carolina. They, they actually lost that year. Uh, Jared Vanderbilt made his debut, and then they lost a couple of years ago with the Emmanuel Quickly Nick Richards team. So at the, and, and then at the two, buzzer. <laughs> yeah, and that's uh, where I actually broke a camera lens. <laughs> oh, <laughs> during that. oh, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, I'll never, I'll never forget the, the anxiety and everything about uh, having to to let Keeley know that I broke a lens that game. <laughs> but when you're looking at this, though, like they've had all these tough road games, right, in recent weeks. They, they've they been on the road at A&M, that, a team that was undefeated in the league at the time, that now you're kind of seeing that their schedule was the reason why they looked so good up until that point. On the road at Auburn, on the road at Kansas, on the road at Alabama, all those are different than on the road at South Carolina. Like that's a Tuesday night game at seven o'clock. That that could be maybe a trap game going into the back half of the schedule. Do these guys get as fired up for that one as they have for Alabama, Kansas, all these tough road games? 
I think that being a veteran team helps them. They don't rely on a lot of young guys. I think that that helps them stay focused. And look, they, they put up that video yesterday of the pregame right before Kansas. And how cool is it to look on Kellen Grady's face, Sabir Wheeler's face, Oscar Sheboy? Jack, they knew they were going to beat Kansas by 20. Oh, yeah. Before the ball was even tipped, they're like, okay, you know, like they have th- this other group has no idea what's coming right now. And if you had shown me that video right before tip off, I would have probably said, yeah, Kansas has no chance tonight. This is a team that they get fired up right now. And I think that they're so locked in together. Everybody understands the task at hand. And that's why I could actually see them going on a run here and not slipping up because they just, they find ways to win when they're at full strength. We've not seen them get beat since December 11th. Like if they were at full strength for Auburn and LSU, we're talking about a team that's on a huge winning streak right now, probably. Mm, quite exciting. Let's keep uh, rolling through some of these questions. Troy Howell, who's uh, uh, been on this show talking high school uh, high school sports before, a great friend of KSR, writes for KSR. He does great work. Planning for SEC tournament, possible travel plans. How likely is a uh, is an Auburn-UK final? Sean, I think it's, it's very likely. I think that's going to be number one versus number two. I think it's going to be uh, as exciting of a matchup in the SEC tournament as we've seen in a while. I remember that uh, UK-Tennessee matchup a couple years back. Uh, I know that was a really exciting final. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think that's a very, very likely scenario. Do you think that's going to play out, Sean? I do. I think this is a year where the two best are going to get there and play on that on that Sunday championship round. And I'm hoping at this point it would be shocking if Auburn played its way out of a one seed. I mean, as, a, as it stands, they're probably the, the overall number one. It, it would take a lot. They don't play Kentucky again in the regular season. Uh, they've already beaten Alabama twice. Like, it, you kind of look at their schedule like, okay, do they lose again before the SEC tournament? But that could be a game where Kentucky's playing its way into a one or maybe it's already secured a one. I, I don't know. And that, that's where you hope that the committee actually takes that game into consideration this year because you could look up and have two top four teams playing in the SEC final and two teams that are deserving of a one if Kentucky finishes strong as well. I think it's more on Kentucky to finish strong than it is Auburn because Auburn, their resume is what it is, and, and they're, I just don't see them losing very many games down the stretch. I, I'd love to see that play out, but I, I'm going to predict that that's the way it plays out. Keep rolling through these. Chris Adams asked, what are the odds that SEC officials continue to allow the physical contact on Oscar that Vandy got away with on Wednesday? What do you think about that? Uh, I don't know. That's that's a good question. You're you're talking about a guy who is arguably the SEC Player of the Year, National Player of the Year. You'd like to see him get some of these calls out of respect for what he's done to this point. I mean, you you see it in the NBA, right? You see the the best players they get a favorable whistle or they get rewarded uh, at times. I, I think Oscar is that guy. Look, if Oscar's getting pushed around and he's getting moved, it's probably a foul. Yeah. Right. Like if you're moving that guy, you're you're definitely not hitting him with legal contact. There's and and this is where, you know, he's got to keep his composure. He can't get frustrated. The yeah. and that's where the veteran side of this team comes into play. You have a lot of guys on this team that aren't afraid to speak up. And I think that even you look at Ty Ty Washington amongst a group of veteran players, he feels like he has a voice as well. And and I think that those voices are so loud out there on the floor that it's kind of empowered Kentucky to be what they are in the last few weeks. And uh, I think that that, uh, I don't think it will continue. I don't, but 
how how pleased do you have to be with that guy for his ability to stay out of foul trouble the way he, he has this year? Like that was the big storyline with me and you going into the year is what the hell do they do behind Oscar? Like if he's going to get in foul trouble because he's so physical. Credit to John Calipari, though. He talked about this in the fall, how they trained him to stay out of foul trouble, how to do things the right way. And that's when you see Cal get upset is when Oscar picks up those fouls where Cal thinks that he's doing what he's been taught to do and he still gets whistled. But him staying on the floor is big, but him staying on the floor composed is even bigger. Well, and that's that's what frustrated me watching college game day this morning. Jay Billis was talking, you know, they had this uh, this little segment where they were like buying and selling teams. Who are you investing in? If you were, uh, you know, kind of an odds maker going into March and, and you know, are you going to uh, go all in with your money on one of the contenders? Are you going to buy the field? You know, they were kind of going this back and forth and they were all very admittedly high on Kentucky and, and saw them as a, a, a clear final four level team. But Jay Billis brought up that same narrative again said, yeah, you know, I'm really high on Kentucky. I love what this team can do, but what happens when Oscar Sheboy goes down with foul trouble? That's what I'm concerned about. Who steps up in his absence? And I was sitting there watching. I was like, but, but he hasn't. He like, you can't talk something into existence and, and kind of, you know, bring up this narrative about, Oh, foul trouble, you know, Oscar struggles with foul trouble, but he doesn't like he, we have not seen uh, him struggle with foul trouble since earlier in, in the season. He has been able to overcome those, uh, you know, those narratives basically since the start of the season. So I, I don't want to, I, I understand it could be a possibility, but that's, that's something for, it's not like he, he's not foul foul prone. Like he kind of had that reputation at West Virginia. He has learned how to adapt and adjust and, and kind of, you know, keep his composure, keep his cool. I thought that Vanderbilt game was a phenomenal example uh, of, you know, in the past, maybe he, you, you could see that he was bothered against Vanderbilt. They got under his skin a little bit, but he did not get, you know, give away, uh, you know, that composure down the stretch and, and he was able to stay down, stay on the floor. I just don't know why we're still talking about, well, what happens if Oscar Sheboy can't play? Every team can, can have some of the, their best player go out with foul trouble. He, he fits under that category now where if it happens, it happens. But he's not foul prone. He doesn't have, uh, you know, not geared toward fouls like some other team players in college basketball. Uh, I, I don't like that narrative. And I thought it was kind of annoying on college game day that on that stage, we're still hearing about that. I think we're, we're we should be praising Oscar's ability to stay on the floor and how long he's should been able be. to do that. Uh, like, like you said, I, I think we, he should be praised for how he's been able to keep his cool, especially <laughs> against a team like Vandy, like we saw where they just constantly get under his skin. And and just a little bit of news here. And by the time people listen to this, we're probably going to know the final. But I think it's worth talking about. Auburn's up one right now on the road at Georgia with 1236 to play. Wow. Like, they're, they're number one in the country. They're getting everybody's best shot the way Kentucky is right now. Like, that's you're, you've seen Auburn be in some dogfights uh, at Missouri in recent weeks. And and I don't, th- and I'm actually not taking anything away from Auburn. I think Auburn is worthy of the number one ranking. I think they're a one seed, and I think they're one of the six, seven best teams in college basketball. That this is where I would love to see them play in the title game together. You're going to have two teams that have been in dogfights and, and battle tested and playing for an SEC championship here in a month or so. That'd be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Let's keep rolling through these questions, Chris. Eyes and more uh, player specific on this one. 
Has Keon Brooks turned a corner? Why? What's change? Effort or confidence? And why do you think Wheeler has struggled la- the last couple games? Seems like he's forcing things again. Over, under, on Alabama making 10, uh, 10 or more threes on us. So, obviously, a couple different directions. Uh, pick one, and I'll take the other, Sean. I think Keon has figured out who he is. You, you know, you heard Cal talk about, you know, it's it's not as many threes now. He he's, he knows how good that mid-range game is of his, and that's what he's living on now is that mid-range shot. He's also, I think, being aggressive, going to the glass, inserting himself there. Uh, I'll, I'll take Xavier, too, for a second. I'll throw a thought in there, and you can add to what you think to it. I didn't get to watch all of the game versus Vandy, but you're, you're talking about forcing. But as far as his assist to turnover numbers in that game, I thought they were excellent, right? Like, I think it was at two turnovers, eight assists, nine assists. Can't remember the the final tally there, but uh, that, w- that was a game, yeah, where I know he didn't hit a shot, but it still felt like he made an impact and got other guys the basketball and didn't maybe force as much as what he would have in the past, which is a sign that Xavier is kind of growing up and, and figuring out his game uh, with this team. Yeah, and I do, while we're on the topic of Savary Wheeler, I'll uh, drop a little bit of scoop here in the middle of this pregame show uh, for those that are listening to this. Um, I heard in the last couple of days that there is now a very strong chance that Savary Wheeler comes back next year. I know uh, when we talked earlier in the year, I talked to him, um, le- you know, leading up to his commitment and after the fact and all that. Uh, and he brought up the idea of I want to go somewhere that's going to put me in position to go to the NBA. I want, uh, you know, I want to make sure I I, I want to develop into a, a professional basketball player. There was some talk that even if he didn't get a chance in the NBA, uh, he was just kind of ready to to go pro, whether he goes overseas or tries the G League route or whatever. I opened this year with the working assumption that he was going to be a one and done no matter how this year unfolded. Kind of like uh, Ashton Hagen's second year, kind of like Isaiah Bro- or uh, Isaiah Briscoe's second year. They kind of go into the year with the assumption that they're leaving. EJ Montgomery was the same way, and it really it it really would take a, a massive shift uh, for them to change their minds or it, things have to go terribly terribly wrong. I heard in the last couple of days that Xavier Wheeler is making quite a bit of money with. NIL and that he's very happy with how much money he's making with NIL and he sees the possibility of coming back next year and kind of leading the charge on that group uh, he sees the uh, the importance and the value that could come with that so uh, I have heard that the odds of him coming it's not a done deal of course a lot can change there's still a lot of basketball left to play this year but um, I went into this year thinking that there was no chance Savir was going to come back no matter how this year unfolded uh, thanks to NIL I have heard that uh there's a, a a more likely than not chance that he decides to come back and, and run the show again next year, which I think would be tremendous for next year's potential and what, uh, what, what next year's team can be, Sean. It would be. You add another veteran guard to, to that roster for next season, a, a guy that knows the league, knows college basketball, and he's bought into his role. I know at times it looks like he still tries to do too much, I just, but I think that you lose the best quality of him if he's not being that aggressive self that he is. I mean, him getting downhill and, and finding others, you're going to have some turnovers. You're going to have that one or two shots a game where you're like, man, why is he taking that shot? But if you kind of pull him back too much, I think you lose what makes him really good. Yeah. So let's uh, root for NIL for him and, and uh, hope that the local businesses in Kentucky continue to 
uh, support him uh, as best as they can, because I, I do think that will impact his decision one way or the other. If, if, the offers roll in and there's a, a lot of money on the table for him to come back that uh, would definitely be more than what he'd make overseas or in the G League or wh- wherever he would go. Uh, I do think that the chances of him coming back are uh, quite, quite strong now. All right. There's a lot of different questions about this, so we might as well just um, knock this out while we can. Noah asks, will Shaden Sharp play? Uh, I know there were a couple more that asked about that, so I want to – uh, Corey, the Wildcat guru, asks, uh, "What what's the timeline for Shaden Sharp to play?" Um, I think that might be. And somebody asked a recruiting question as well. You know, oh, uh, Calipari translator, great account by the way. Uh, Shaden had his shorts on last game, shooting shirt off this game. I emoji, I emoji, question mark, question mark, question mark. Oh, uh, the Shaden Sharp question, Sean. What uh, do you think that we are now at the point where, uh, because he didn't play against Vanderbilt, that we will not see him down the stretch this season, or uh, do you think that? Uh, Cal surprises the world and he ends up playing against Alabama or uh, any of these upcoming games. You know, I I don't know. I don't think he plays today, but you know, he mentioned that he needs to play Grady, you know, fewer minutes than what he is. Grady's playing almost 40 minutes a game. And I think a lot of people took that as well. Maybe that's 10 minutes that Shaden can play. No, that's, that's more minutes that men's could play or they could look at a different lineup scenario there. I I don't, I don't know. Like it just feels like the longer, if we get into mid February, through that game next week and and everything, I, I don't know if we see Shaden this year or not. If if he doesn't play in the next few games, and if he doesn't, Kentucky's still good enough to win a title. I don't, as long as they're at full strength, I don't really see the need to actually have to throw him in there. Though those other guards are so good, and what they have is working so well, they're top five in the country and in p- position to possibly earn a one seed. Yeah, I, and if you go back and listen to our uh, post Vanderbilt breakdown, uh, we talked about the. Shade and sharp dynamic and what his camp is saying and what his mentor is saying about, uh, you know, the uh, why there'd be no reason to play him if things were going well for Kentucky, because all it does is risk the possibility that he plays out of his mind and, and uh, intrigues the NBA to say, well, you know, you're a number one pick and he averages 20 points per game or whatever. And, and there's nothing left to prove at the college level. Then he goes pro. And then, you know, is it really worth the worth the risk of that happening? Uh, for what amounts to you know a couple games when Kentucky doesn't really need them, so I am right there with you, Sean. I I don't I'm kind of in the who cares approach. If he plays, he plays. If he doesn't, he doesn't. Um, we'll see how it goes. But I haven't not heard anything of you know. I think that we're gonna know before he actually plays if he's going to play, because I think that there's going to be some stuff that leaks out of practice about, oh, well, they started running stuff for him and uh, setting up plays for him and getting him kind of more uh, involved in the offense. We haven't heard any of that stuff, so I definitely don't think that he makes his debut tonight, and we will see moving forward beyond that. Uh, Justin Bar- Barnhill asks, I'm sure Cal will try to go and go big at least once today instead of putting f- uh, four guards out there. Uh, what are your thoughts? I I think that the Alabama bigs are not good. Uh, I, every time I've watched them, I, I just have not been impressed with uh, Bediaco, and uh, I know Noah Gurley's kind of that, you know, Keon Brooks role that, small ball four-ish, you know, forward. Uh, Juwan Gary plays some minutes. James Rojas, uh, Nate Oates talked about him and how tough he is. Darius Miles. There's, uh, I, I, I'm just really not impressed with their front court at all, so it wouldn't necessarily shock me if Cal kind of goes opposite of that and really tries to expose them on that front and goes big for a little while. Um, you know, maybe that 
stupid J- Jacob Toppin, Keon Brooks, Oscar Shibway uh, trio down low. I, I don't know, but I do know that that this is an opportunity for Oscar. I think that he could go for thirty and twenty tonight. I mean, I do think that this this is make this game has the makings of a monster monster Oscar Shibway performance. Um, so I. I I want wonder what your thoughts are if if you think Cal's going to go big um, at least once today as Justin Barnhill asks. Uh, I don't know. Like for all the things that you said there, that I don't think that Alabama's front line really scares me. But I do think that this will be the game where Oscar Sheboy gets the uh, water thrown on him in the locker room if Kentucky wins. I think you'll you could be seeing another one of those ESPN graphics tonight where he's the first to do so in so many games or whatever that it's become the annual ESPN PR quote or tweet this year. That's <laughs> where Oscar yeah. Shibway with a graphic saying that <laughs> he's made history. Uh, could, I think this is a game where if something happens, I think you could see Lance Ware play a little longer than he has in other games. I think he could have some success in this matchup. Uh, but this feels like a game where if Oscar Shibway is able to stay on the floor, he's on there a lot. And it, when he's on the floor, I don't know if Alabama really has a shot at winning this game if they don't get to 13 or 14 made threes. Yeah, I don't think they, they stand a shot if they don't hit that mark. Uh, yeah, like you said to start the show, Alabama, the only chance they have to win this game is if they get uh, unbelievably hot. And then at that point, then it turns into a track meet. And I think Kentucky can win that even still. So uh, I, I definitely think, like you said, it's a bad matchup that definitely favors uh, Kentucky in this one. Let's, this is the last one we'll go kind of a little bit in depth on, and then we'll do rapid fire to close out the show. Uh, our friend, Matt Sack, shout out Matt Sack. He does great work uh, on his own as well. Uh, do you think uh, Bryce Hopkins and or Damian Collins has a breakout February or March and starts getting more pl- more more minutes or is our rotation pretty much set? I have some thoughts on this as well, Sean, but uh, start with you. What do you think? I, th- I think it's set. I think it I think it's set how it is. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, about I yeah. all you got to say about it. I say anything else about it. Like, I just think that. I think that Cal is that guy that's settled in on his seven guys. I think you could see Bryce maybe here or there if, if they need it. And I think uh, if they needed something at guard, maybe in a stretch, if there's an injury or something, you could see Dante maybe play four or five minutes. But I think that they're set with those four guards and then Keon and Toppin and Oscar and then Ware kind of playing that role as they need it. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. Cal was very uh, – uh, you know, dug his heels in a little bit a couple games ago, and he said, "Look, we know what our rotation is. The top seven or eight needs to, uh, you know, kind of show support to the guy, the, the last bottom three on the bench. Show support to them. Let them know that their time's going to come. May not be this year. Maybe they'll get some spot minutes here and there, but uh, you know, support them in their journey and their development so they keep uh, keep their chin up and keep moving forward. And said that those." you know, back up three players or however many there are um, specifically those three though, Dante Bryce and, and Damian, they need to be supportive of the guys at the top of the rotation that are, you know, working hard as well. Kind of a, everybody needs to support each other mindset. Uh, I, I definitely think that is, you know, pretty telling. Uh, and I think that was, was pretty indicative of where things stand. And uh, I definitely think that the rotation is what it is, and I think I don't think it's going to change a whole lot moving forward. So, um, yeah, I, I 
I wish that we could get something out of Bryce Hopkins. And, and I know Damian Collins, I'm sure he's getting frustrated because there's not many minutes to go around there. But uh, I do not think that we're going to see a whole lot of either of them uh, down the stretch, unfortunately. And, and I know that there's going to be some transfer talk and some buzz. There already is some with uh, Bryce Hopkins. And I know that it's not really a secret at this point. That stuff is out there. So uh, definitely something to keep an eye on. And, and I, I do think that they're both very important for Kentucky moving forward. And, you know, next season, I think they can both be very uh, promising players for, for the Wildcats. I, I just hope that they stay the course and, and uh, Cal talks them into, you know, trusting the process. And I know um, he's going to do that. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. All right, let's go rapid fire to close out the show. Sean, um, I know there's some recruiting questions and unless you have something that you, you know, want to jump in and, and say, uh, with any of the recruiting stuff you, you, you can, but I, I'm just going to kind of roll through these so we can get out of here as quick as possible. Um, Ray Kentucky fan for life life says, um, what big man options do we have in the senior class? Any possibility of reclassing? Uh, there are a couple reclass names. Um, Isaiah Miranda is one I've heard, but I'm really not impressed with the 2023 big class at all. I would not want to rely on any of them to be there, you know, the next Oscar Sheboy or whatever. Uh, any um, big man options in, you know, in the senior class, there aren't any more of those. Johan Treor, Kentucky moved on from there. Uh, he got a nice ass offer from LSU and we'll, we'll leave that at that. Um, so I, there, there aren't any other options there. I think that they're going to go in the transfer portal and find the best big available to replace Oscar Sheboy when he inevitably goes pro. I think that is uh, going to happen regardless. So um, good question there, Ray. He also asks with the uncertain status of sharp, will we go after another wing player in this class? I think if that's the case, uh, if he does go pro, something unfolds where he doesn't end up at Kentucky next year. I do think that they will end up um, pushing for a reclass with Mookie Cook. I, I said on the show that uh, he's he's thinking pretty hard about a reclass, and Oregon is the leader if he does decide to reclass. But if Shaden does uh, leave, I think the timing and the timeline would work out because I think that decision is going to come this summer. We'll know shade and sharp status regardless and if that's the case they will push for Mookie Cook I think Mookie is phenomenal and I think it'd be a great replacement but if not I think they're going to find the next Sean Kellen Grady or somebody like that a uh, a sharp shooter three level scorer um, not going to replace a number potential number one pick like shade and sharp so it might be a replacement by committee type deal but uh, yeah I, it, that'll be definitely tough uh, uh, Sean you're going to answer this one Ryan Lemon's hair plugs asks if you were a hot dog would you eat yourself how many times have I been asked that one now? <laughs> what are your thoughts? I've, I've been asked that thing so many times. I don't even remember what I answered the last <laughs> time I was asked that. Uh, I, I probably wouldn't eat all of myself. Maybe just a, a couple nibbles. Um, on hill. Ro- image in my mind right now. <laughs> on hill. Rojas as thoughts about Kentucky's McDonald's all American selections. Um, the guys that w- were eligible to make it made it, and the guys that didn't weren't. Um, Sky was not eligible because of his injury. He didn't play. He didn't meet the criteria for uh, game eligibility. He didn't play enough games because he was because of his uh, rehab, because of his his knee injury. Um, who's playing very very well lately, Sean? Uh, he he's kind of ramped things up, playing like the old Sky the Sky of late. Definitely played better than he showed in that uh, you know ESPN 
definitely what we saw in his return at, at the Hoopal Classic when I saw him with my own two eyes, but uh, the games we saw him on ESPN Plus and all that, he's playing much, much better since then. So shout out Sky. Um, proud of his work ethic and how he's been able to respond. He's definitely playing his butt off lately. So, um, but yeah, McDonald's All-American, uh, Case and Wallace made it, and Chris Livingston made it, two guys that are absolutely deserving. So uh, tip of the cap to them. Trill Raftery asks, if this team competed against each other in a Royal Rumble, who would come in second to Oscar? And would Shaden Sharp be uh, an entrant? Who uh, comes close to uh, uh, Oscar in that R- Royal Rumble, Sean? Oh, goodness. Um, <laughs> let me think here. I, I'm going to say Lance Ware. Oh, comes good in answer. Good answer. But I'm also going to say Savir. One, because I think Savir would be really hard to keep up with, and it'd be really hard to get him in a situation to get him over the top rope. <laughs> Plus, with him being shorter, it, I just think it'd be hard. Like, no no knock on Savir. Is he even taller than the ropes? <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, that's good. A little, uh, little feisty thing, kind of like a – yeah. Uh, like a grease pig, hard to hard to gr- keep grasp of, and, and oh gosh, this is just ridiculous. Uh, all right, keep going down. Bow to Coach Cal. When it's all said and done, do you think we get DJ Wagner? Of course, I think we get DJ Wagner. I know there's going to be a lot of buzz about Kenny Payne and uh, Louisville if he goes there, and if uh, Kenny Payne goes there, and the connection with Milt Wagner. I know that they would possibly look into the poss- the idea of hiring him. I don't know if he'd be a lead assistant, but he'd be some staff role. Um, all I know is they have Cal brought his brother on, who is I talked to DJ about. So they you know live right down the hall from each other. They love each other to death. They're best friends. Um, he said, that's my blood brother. I love him to death. Uh, he has him on, on the team. Lance Ware is a former teammate. And if you, like we said on the show, Dewan Wagner said in that 30 for 30 that he owed his life to John Calipari for how they, he handled the draft process and getting him the lifelong money that he was able to get with the draft and pushing him to go pro and all that. I think that that family is, has, owes a lot to Coach Cal, and I think that the least that they are going to do is uh, send DJ Wagner there unless he wants to play the rebellious role and go, uh, pl- go somewhere else. But to go to the r- arch rival of that coach that – um, did so much for your father. I just do not see that unfolding, no matter who is hired at Louisville, even if grandpa gets hired on staff. I don't care. I do think Kentucky is going to be able to win at the end of the day, and Kentucky fans shouldn't stress out too, too much about that possibility. Um, keep on rolling. Um, what happened with the Johan Treyor recruitment? I touched on that a little bit, but Kentucky watched him and was not impressed and said, We're, we'll keep evaluating Uh, see if he ramps things up, but thought that he uh, didn't provide a lot on the glass, thought he was a little bit lackadaisical, don't want to throw the word lazy out there, but that was kind of the uh, just not very impressed with the effort and, you know, some of the things that he was doing, especially in, you know, you'd think that he would ramp things up and try to uh, be as impressive as possible against when John Calipari is there to watch you, but uh, he didn't. And I was told that they just were not very impressed with how things unfolded and, uh, they were going to go their separate directions, and that's exactly how it unfolded. Sean, I believe that wraps us up. I think we got through every one of the questions. We usually don't don't get to do that because we're short on time, but uh, we are a show a show for the people, Sean. So we were able to 
knock all those out. A lot, a lot of fun on this one. <laughs> uh, ever since you said greased pig and Savier <laughs> Wheeler, I just, I'm just picturing Savier running around literally for his life. <laughs> <laughs> run around like that's kind of how that's kind of how he plays on the court isn't it i mean that's kind of a uh kind of just shifts in between all the defenders and uh just kind of has that little lateral quickness to him that's just how he's been that's that's how it is it's uh you know it makes sense yeah it does and uh let me tell you how crazy this is right now georgia 66 auburn 64 333 to play and georgia has a lot of momentum right now go figure so uh, Go, yeah, go figure. I say that I don't think there's going to be many opportunities for Auburn to lose the rest of the year. And I turn on the TV and I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and then well, Tom Crean's over here firing up the crowd. Yeah, as best as he can. All right. Well, let's, uh, uh, let's get out of here so we can watch the finale in Athens uh, and uh, start gearing up for Kentucky's uh, road game at Alabama, it's going to be a fun one. We're very excited for it. Let's get out of here with one final message from our friends at Prize Picks. The NBA season is well underway, and there isn't a better way to enjoy watching your favorite former Wildcats play than by play, playing daily fantasy with our friends at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the simplest form of real money daily fantasy sports and just pits you against the numbers. Whether you're a fantasy sports nut or a casual basketball fan looking to add some excitement to the games, Prize Picks is the perfect game for you. You simply select two to five players and predict if they will go over or under their projection price picks gives you the chance to win 10 times your money for getting four or five predictions correct you can also have picks across sports as well with the nfl playoffs uh here it's super bowl time Bengals versus the rams add in some of those players to your picks with their over or under projected receiving rushing or passing yards download the prize picks app or visit prizepicks.com and sign up using promo code pilgrim that's p-i-l G-R-I-M to get an instant 100% bonus up to $100 on your first deposit. Don't forget that's the PrizePicks app or prizepicks.com using promo code Pilgrim to claim your bonus today and take your viewing of your favorite former Kentucky stars to the next level. Sean, let's get the heck out of here. Where can fans find your work? You can find my work at GoBigBlueCountry.com and you can follow me on Twitter at GBBCountry. Find me on Twitter as well at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Reach out to me via email at jpilgrim at kentuckysportsradio.com. With that, we'll be back after the game for another jam packed Source to Say podcast. We will see you then.